Well, good evening, Grace Church. I feel like we could just kind of turn that music up and just have a praise break. What do you think? Amen. Amen. Welcome. So glad to see all of you here this evening. Glad you're in the house of God. If you're glad to be here, I'm going to ask you to stand for a moment and let's just give the Lord some praise. Can you clap your hands and just enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise? Oh, come on, lift up your voice. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house, the opportunity to be in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, thank you for making this service a part of your evening. I promise you it will be a blessing to you. Amen. Amen. Uh, I thank you for standing. I thank you for uh, beginning with, with praise. Let's begin with prayer tonight. I want to have you join me. Let's lift our hands and just ask God's anointing. Uh, ask that God would move among us tonight. Would you do that with me? Jesus, we've come into your presence with praise. We've come with anticipation. Lord, we're thankful for your word, thankful for the opportunity to be in your house. I pray tonight, God, that you would speak to us. Lord, let the word wash over us. And, Lord, I pray that the, the anointing would be here. Lord, the anointing breaks the yoke. And I pray, God, that you would move, Lord, in a great and mighty way. And we would see great things. We would see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you're glad to see him if you haven't already. Amen. I want to just take a moment. We'll just take a, a couple minutes here and maybe go at a slightly slower pace. I want to just remind you of a few things. I don't want to lull you to sleep on a Wednesday night. I want to uh, keep you awake, but there are a couple of things that uh, I need to remind you of, and, and please take note. Don't, don't uh, gloss over or glaze over on me, rather. These are important things. This Friday night, is the choir concert, uh, North Texas District Choir. Their Magnify Summer Tour is coming right here through Grace Church at 730. So please come out. Bring a friend. Bring a family member. Bring somebody with you. Let's pack the house out, and we're coming to worship God. And we're going to hear some great worship singing and, and musicians and singers, and they're going to lead us in worship. It's going to be a great night. Please don't miss it. And then the Mother's Memorial offering deadline is tonight. If you were planning to give to Mother's Memorial, uh, the clock is ticking. You have until tonight to get that offering in and to get credit. So please remember that if you have put that off, tonight is your night to give. Uh, and you, of course, can give online on the, um, on the uh, website or the app. And then we mentioned it Sunday. I was honored to get to, to announce it to you um, and, and excited about the pastoral anniversary weekend coming up, uh, the, on, and especially on Saturday, August 12th, 30th pastoral anniversary banquet. And I got so excited about it, and I, I was really wanting to get in that little part about helping Pastor unload his moving van that time 30 years ago when they rolled into town. And I got home, and Farrah told me, said, you didn't announce where the banquet was going to be. So I, I overlooked that part. I got a little ahead of myself. So let me go slow and tell you this a little, little bit clearer. It is August the 12th, 30th Pastoral Anniversary Banquet. It's going to be at Forest Grove Plantation. And so a great venue, great place. Been there before, and they do a great job. And that will be from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. We're going to have a great time. 
great time. So mark your calendar and let's come out big and celebrate with Pastor and Sister Murphy. We do need a head count. And so if you got your uh, email this week, your, your weekly update from Grace Church, there is a link there to RSVP. Very important that you do that so that we can give a proper head count to the venue and get that taken care of. So make, make that note, take care of that, and it's going to be a great time. Um, also, I'm announcing tonight, uh, Sister Murphy asked me to announce, right after church tonight over in the Alexander Center, we're not having ice cream. I asked her if I could announce that. She said no because it wouldn't be true. We do need some young men and maybe even some older than young men to help us set up tables and chairs to get ready. We're going to be serving a dinner Friday night to the choir uh, from, from Texas, and we need to get all of that set up over in the Alexander Center. So young, young men, uh, gentlemen, if y'all will help us immediately after the service tonight, uh, that would be appreciated. And then finally, last announcement. If you did not get a chance to uh, drop your monthly pledge for Mission Louisiana in the basket on Sunday, please take care of that tonight. Pastor made a compelling presentation Sunday, but in short, Mission Louisiana is, a, uh, is an effort to, we're going to be upgrading the campgrounds. I should say they are going to be upgrading the campgrounds. We're giving, they're going to take care of it. Uh, new boys dorm, new tabernacle, remodeling the existing tabernacle, all those things, you're probably aware of most of them. Uh, and we're all wanting, uh, Brother Weber's called on every church to give and to pledge a monthly pledge to that. And so don't miss out. Be a part of that. It's going to be uh, wonderful when it's all done. And you'll be excited to say, hey, I was a part of that. I got to do something for the kingdom of God. So make your pledge if you have not already. If you got it, say, I got it. If you weren't, don't really have it, say, I didn't really have it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I do, before Pastor comes, I did want to share uh, just a moment of inspiration, something that's been, um, it, it's been inspirational to me, and I, and I hope I can share it in such a way it will be inspirational to you. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a short, it's a poem, but it's a short poem, so don't, don't, uh, don't check out on me just yet. Um, and I had read it quite some time ago, and I literally put it in my files, I, I liked it so much. Uh, but then again, I liked it so much, I promptly forgot about it. So, you know, it really made a big impact. And I, I was going through some things the other day and came across it. And uh, to me, it's very compelling. And I want to share it with you and then explain to you why I think it's compelling. Um, and I, I'm asking a lot of you, I know, because I've had all of this time to ruminate over the, the writing here, the poem. And you're going to be hearing it for the first time. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to try to um, try to make that work. So let me see if I can do that. The idea behind the, the poem is written by someone named Mary Oliver. I don't know what her beliefs are, but she does tend to weave Christian themes into her work. And the idea is, is basically this is that why should we question whether or not God exists when you can just look around creation and see that um, that he does? It's obvious that there is a creator when you look at his creation. But I want to take that a little bit further here after, after you, you hear this. And, of course, she puts it in a very compelling way. She says this. She says, why do people keep asking to see God's identity papers when the darkness opening into morning is more than enough? It reminds me of the scripture in Romans where, where Paul says even creation indicates to us the essence of God, the glory of God. So she asked that question. And then she says this, certainly any God might turn away in disgust. And that's little G there. So 
We keep asking to see God's identity papers. He's very patient and kind to even allow us to ask those questions, but he does. That's one of the great things about God. He allows us to ask those questions, and he answers them if we're paying attention. That's essentially what she's saying. But then right here, here's the, where all of that to get here. She takes a turn, and she kind of hits us with a, um, I guess, with the proverbial two-by-four uh, with this last clause. And this is what I really want to share with you. Watch, it, watch this. With all of that being said, who are we to question God, essentially? She says this. Think of Sheba approaching the kingdom of Solomon. Do you think she had to ask, is this the place? And I like that. I like that because if, if we truly realize when we step out into the world and just see the handwork, handiwork of God, we really don't have to ask, are, are we in God's creation? Are we really, is this really God? It's pretty obvious is what she's saying. I think of the psalmist that says, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and stars that thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful? And, uh, and I love that. It, uh, Sheba did not have to ask, is this the place? But here's where I really want to go with all this, and this is what I find most inspiring. She doesn't take it to this level, but I think as apostolics, this is where we can take it. When we come into the presence of God, whether it's in a service like tonight or a service like Sunday morning, or maybe, maybe in our personal prayer time. Have you ever been in your personal prayer time and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes and you, you get, get those goosebumps running up and down your spine and you know God is in the room? In those moments, and when we feel the Holy Ghost welling up inside of us, in those moments, we don't have to ask God, is this the place? We, we know, we know that we know that we know that we are in the presence of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so I'm thankful tonight that, that in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. And His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. When we're in the presence of God, we're beholding majesty. We're beholding glory. We're beholding the power of God. And we don't have to wonder, is this God? We don't have to question, is this God? He has made Himself manifest in our life. Oh, clap your hands to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So tonight, I was just trying to get on first base with that. Pastor's coming. He's going to hit a home run, and he's going to get us both across home plate and score some runs. So let's clap our hands and uh, praise the Lord one more time as Pastor comes. Well, good evening, everybody. Great to see you here tonight. And uh, as always, thank you for being here on Wednesday night for Bible study. Uh, I'm coming tonight. I've, I'm not going to make a lot of preliminary remarks, and I'd like to use what Brother Dave said. Um, I want to take it one step further and use it as a segue into what I want to present to you tonight. I'm coming um, somewhat heavy-hearted tonight, and I want to make an appeal to not just Grace Church in general, but to every family, every young person uh, that's here tonight. <clears throat> when he made the statement about Sheba, the Queen of Sheba, approaching Solomon's place, Solomon's temple, uh, 
Solomon's palace, what have you. Um, she didn't have to ask, is this the place? When she left, she said that only the half has not been told concerning what she had just seen. My question is why would she want to leave? If it was that wonderful, if it was that spectacular, if it was that glorious, why would you want to leave? Uh, to segue that into what I want to present to you tonight, I've been teaching a, a, you could call it a series. I'm giving it the same name. Our purpose is a church. Hashtag we're coming. Um, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, I talked to you about teen ministry, and we can go backwards from there. Tonight, I want to talk to you about a living legacy. Our purpose as a church is to leave a legacy, a living legacy, to be a living legacy. Um, but I also want to wrap this around our all of our families, all of our homes. Um, I've been thinking a lot about it. Sister Murph and I were very surprised, along with a lot of others, uh, this past Thursday night at camp meeting. Somehow or another, she and I ended up on the very front row uh, the pulpit just right there from us and um, we were sitting there waiting for service to start and she nudged me and she said there's brother and sister young would be brother and sister Curtis young and uh, by the time I looked up and looked around they had disappeared behind a little wall petition going into the back office behind the pulpit at the campground in the tabernacle and uh, a little while later we debated back and forth was that them was that them and kept saying she kept saying I know it was them I know it was them and I said well it's peculiar that they were coming to camp meeting and nobody around here said the, the youngs will be at camp meeting well come to find out they told us in talking to them Thursday night that they didn't know they were coming either until the Monday prior and uh, so really no one knew they were coming and um, when I was talking to him um, I made a statement to him, and it, it was intended to be fun, but the more I think about what I said to him, the more it began to just drill down in my heart. And um, uh, it, it was I was making a statement to him, but, but kind of joking. Um, I said, Brother Young, do you realize that this coming November, um, Sister, or Sister Murph and I will be married 47 years. You married us almost 47 years ago. And my point was, is that I feel like I've been around forever. And if I feel that way, maybe we have a modern day Methuselah here in the making. I don't know. But uh, that was the gist of it. And, and that's, that's kind of what I meant. But I, I was struggling for words. Uh, I, I just have these moments where especially after pastoring now between here and our first pastor 36 years and 40 years in ministry um, my brother just older than me retired from ministry due to physical physical problems physical issues and uh, they threw a retirement party for him and it just so happened that brother and sister young were in the area in Ohio during that time so brother and sister young was able to uh, be a part of that and my I thought it was interesting that here's Brother Young our pastor uh, participating in the retirement party for a man out of his church 
that went into ministry under his ministry. thought it was interesting. My point in all of that is, uh, Brother Young pointed out, we've been here 30 years as pastor. I think they were pastor in Baton Rouge for 28, 29 years, whatever it was. So he commented that we've actually been pastor here longer than they pastored in Baton Rouge. And when he said it that way, it made me even feel much older and even made him seem a little bit older. But as I began to prepare for tonight, I thought about the legacy that the Youngs left here in Baton Rouge. And they've been gone, I think, close to 20 years, if I remember right. And their legacy, it lives on. They're still very remembered. Uh, there's people that are still alive and well today whose lives were impacted by their ministry. There's, I don't know how many scores of ministers that are still in ministry today that was impacted by his ministry. So they have left a, a living legacy. I hope we're about to celebrate our, our 30th. We, on the calendar, it passed by the first weekend of June of this year, 30 years. And I trust that when the Murphys are no longer pastor here, the Lord tarries, uh, that maybe somebody will, somebody's lives will be, have been impacted. I'm saying all that to say this, and then I'll launch into my Bible study. It's occurred to me this week, and, and thinking about this, I'm hoping the context that I'm presenting to you tonight will make sense here in just a moment. But I've thought about it this week. It's been heavy, heavy in my heart, heavy, heavy in my mind. Um, that when I look back over the past several years, not anything particular that happened yesterday, but over the past, since even before COVID, that we have made a, a huge effort, and especially in the past couple of years, we've made a huge effort to make sure to the best of our ability as far as ministry here at Grace Church and uh, we've uh, have, have, have talked about this, presented, 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 um, about how proud and thankful we are for such an incredible youth group of teenagers. And, but we've made it clear that we're doing everything we can to head them off at the pass, to have them ready to continue to serve God when they start college, uh, start a, a married life, what have you, start moving in that direction. We want them to stay in the church. And um, that's very heavy on my heart. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm just tired of losing young people, investing in them in Sunday school, junior high, high school, and then when they get to college, uh, they're not as accountable anymore. They're not really under the authority of their parents, even though some of them still live at home and have lived at home. They just go their way and do their own thing. I'm tired of that. Tired of the devil doing that. Well, this week and, and talking to the youngs and thinking about our tenure here for the past 30 years, um, I don't plan to retire anytime soon. That may come as good news for some and not so good news for others. I don't know. Um, but I'm still doing my best to build a church here that God can rapture. But as we have talked about our young people and 
Uh, I've even heard elder people remind me, well, there's more to Grace Church than just young people. I'm aware of that. I'm very well aware of that, but I'm on a mission, and I want to save our young people to the best of my ability. It hit me this week that not only should we be concerned about our young people, but there's another age group. This is going to be really hard for me to get through. I'm not going to linger on the point. I have a Bible study to teach tonight. But it just hit me this week that not only should we be concerned, particularly about our college-age kids, but it dawned on me this week, it just seems like when people, young people grow up and they get married and they have kids or whatever, when they turn around the age of 40, 40, 45, that age group, something happens. And I can't explain it. I am as confounded with that as I am our young people going to college. Young people going to college, they're starting out their life. They've, they've, they're cutting the apron strings. They're cutting the umbilical cord, if you will, and they're moving on into their life. 40-year-olds are different. They're married. Most of them are married. Some of them are divorced already. But most of them are married. They have kids. And something happens. And I can't put my finger on it. I, I don't know if the church failed. I don't know if they realize they're older and they look at 50-year-olds and say, I'm going to be that in a few years. And this is my one last go for it with, the, with sin and the world. And I don't know what happens. I, Sister Murph and I have climbed through that 40-year-old age bracket from 40 to 50. And I even have memories. I'm sure she does. Of your mind just kind of going off the rails here and there. And you struggle. You, you realize that I'm aging. I'm aging up. And if I'm going to enjoy life in my youth, I better do it now because when you hit that 50, I don't know, that 50 just has a stigma to it that says you're, you're kind of over a hill. Um, you're, you're over a hump and, and you, you kind of lose the, the things of youth and surrender the things of youth and what have you. I want to, again, apply this to our church as a whole. I want to apply this to our young people, our youth group, but I really want to uh, apply it to every family, but I really want to uh, address our, our, our couples in that 40-year-old that bracket. We have an opportunity, you have an opportunity, to be, to become a living legacy. I've talked to Kelly Adams numerous times, and I hardly have a conversation with her without her bringing up her mother at the incredible impact. I've talked to Shelly, I've talked to Darren, I've talked to Ryan, the incredible impact their mother has had on their life. I'm sorry, Brother Richard, to bring this up, and I don't want to bring up a, a heartache for you, but they just, they talk about their parents the way their parents were stalwart. Um, I talked to Shelly recently, tears streaming down her face. She said, sometimes I wish so bad I could just call my mother. The lady has become to them 
a living legacy. And to the grandkids that are old enough to remember her, they will never forget their grandmother. I look back at, at my life, at my ministry. I look back at my family. I am so thankful to have both of my kids committed to the teeth in the church. I thank God for that. And my two amazing grandsons are just coming up, committed, outstanding Bible quizzers. They're involved in church in every way they can for their age and what's applicable to them. I want to tell everybody here tonight, and, and perhaps if you're watching on live stream or maybe you'll watch this presentation later, we all have an opportunity to become a living legacy, to take advantage of the most valuable moment we have in our hand. Our most valuable moment isn't yesterday and it's not tomorrow. It's right now. To take advantage right now and leave your family something kingdom related that will keep them. I want to tell our young people and I'm going to read my scripture and I may not finish this tonight. This is really what I've come to say and I've already said it. I want to tell our young people, you listen to pastor tonight. I get it. I'm an old man. I'm gray-headed. My hair's turn, turning gray and it's turning loose. I'm getting both of them. And I'm out of touch and I don't know about all the social media stuff and I don't know that, but I do know about the kingdom. I have a little bit of understanding about heaven and I have a little bit of understanding about hell. And um, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, doesn't really matter. But one of these days you're going to stand before Jesus. And all of you now are old enough. You all are old enough now. You're accountable to yourself now. And you can be as stupid in the world as you want to be and you can do whatever you want to do. But one of these days you'll stand before God and you'll, live, you'll, you'll regret eternally letting go of being the queen of Sheba and saying, how can I miss this place? This is where the presence of God is. You'll always question eternally why you ever left it. So in spite of what your parents are or are not, it's up to you now to start building your own legacy. And it starts right here in this altar. It starts beside your bed in your bedroom or in your closet or wherever you pray. This is where it starts. Don't mess it up by being stupid and thinking sin is wonderful. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You girls can look around at your friends at school and you get into college, dear God, at what you'll be exposed to. Oh, my word, and say, I want to be like that. Don't do it. If you could sit in my office and hear the counseling and see the tears of broken parents, if you could understand what that moment's like when they've been stupid, one of them's had an affair because they left the place of God's glory. They've had an affair. They're trying to pick up the pieces. They don't really care about what their kids think. They say they do, but their actions don't say it. Their words do, but their actions don't. If you could listen to that, and if you could hear what I hear and see what I see, you would keep your feet planted right here, no matter how geeky people think you are and how weird people think you are. You'll stay right here. Don't do it. Don't do it. You have an opportunity right now to begin your own legacy for the rest of your life by who you marry, 
how you're going to raise your kids, and what level of a commitment you're going to make to God. Let me read my scripture text. I probably won't finish this tonight. In Acts chapter 7, verse 48, this is Stephen preaching to the members of the Sanhedrin court. It's kind of like the Supreme Court, if you will, but in a religious way. They are the upper echelon. They are rich. They're influential. They're powerful. And they claim to be religious, even though they don't believe in the resurrection and they don't believe in angels. But nonetheless, Stephen is preaching to them in Acts chapter 7, and he says, How be it the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house, what house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? And Stephen calls these people, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. It's a pretty compelling statement to tell people that who can control your destiny. They can put you in jail. They can have your life taken. So upon saying all of this, he's arrested. And he's brought before the Sanhedrin. And Stephen recounts an eloquent and lengthy memory. If you read Acts chapter 7, parts of 6. He recounts an eloquent and lengthy history of the Jewish people from memory. And he values his heritage. However, he gets in trouble when he, calls, when he tells the Sanhedrin the truth, which they have tried to confine God to a temple. And he's telling them that God is bigger than that. They are holding on to the letter of their legacy, but they have not let the spirit of that, but they have let the spirit of that legacy die. So it is now little more than a dead tradition. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. God refuses, Grace Church, to be confined by our concepts and by our methods. Heaven is His throne, and the earth is His footstool. He will not be limited By our legacy, no matter how wonderful that heritage may be, God has proven over and over and over. We have people, men of God, that were part of the United Pentecostal Church that have passed on. I can think of men that I thought, what is is going to happen to this movement when they've passed on? They've passed on, and the movement continues right on. It does. God refuses to be confined by these things. What the Sanhedrin needed to do was take their limitations off God, and so do we. But they resisted the Holy Ghost. We have young people that do that. We have families that do that. We have people with their marriage, they do that. This 40-year-old group that I just talked about, they do that. They resist the Holy Ghost. They resist doing what God wants them 
to do. They do it with their mentality. They do it with their attitude. They do it with their lifestyle. I know people in this, particularly this age bracket, that they want to be in church and out of church at the same time, and you, you just can't. It, uh, you, you want to ride the fence. Nobody has perfected that. These the Sanhedrin court, these people, they believed that God was still confined to the temple even while Jesus, who is the bodily manifestation of God, was walking through the streets of Jerusalem in bodily form and never invited to their temple. It's interesting. Isaiah said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth, shall you not know it, and I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Acts chapter 2, 17 Peter said, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. This is a new thing. And the, these people had a hard time getting their head around it. I believe a great part of the reason that these, particularly these two age groups of people are being attacked so hard right now our high school, college-age kids, and then these 40 years old I'm talking about, is I, they have the most potential, it seems like, to make the greatest impact on the kingdom, if you think about it. 40-year-olds have had their kids. They're getting into those young teenage years. They're kind of making their own way and doing their own thing. And So mom and dad says before we turn 50, we want to have our last fling and do our last thing in sin and... <clears throat> They miss out on the opportunity that God is wanting to do in the church. We have an opportunity, Grace Church. We, we have, I believe God has yet to fulfill all that he wants to do in the church and with the church. I believe God is going to do more amazing things as we get closer and closer to the rapture than he's done before. The Bible prophesies that. The only question I have to ask tonight is how much do we want to be involved in it? Do we want our heart to be somewhere else? We visit Solomon's temple, but we don't stay. We visit his throne room, but we don't stay. We're impressed and we're, thank you for that. We're awesomeized, as Bunch and Breeze says by that, but we don't stay. We return back to our homeland. We return back to some degree of worldliness and what have you. One translation said of Amos chapter 9, verse 11 through 15, In the future, God is saying, I will rebuild David's fallen kingdom. I will build it from its ruins and set it up again, just as it used to be. Then, then you will capture Edom and the other nations that are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken and my words will come true. And you will have such a harvest that you won't be able to bring it in, all of your wheat before plowing time and you will have grapes left over from season to season and your fruitful vineyards will cover the mountains. I will make Israel prosper again. You will rebuild your towns and live in them. You'll drink wine from your own vineyards and eat fruit, uh, eat the fruit you grow. I will plant your roots deep in the land I have given you and you won't ever be uprooted again. I, the Lord God, have spoken this. James told us in Acts chapter 15, verse 14, Simeon had declared God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. That's you and I. 
And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. Uh, James is essentially repeating the scripture setting in, uh, in the Old Testament. God is doing that and he's doing it with Gentile people. The Sadducees at one time had built a legacy. The Pharisees had one time built a legacy. But they didn't allow God to have his way in it. They knew God. They showed up for God's events. They showed up for the feast. They showed up for keeping the law of Moses. They had all of that, all of that, all that. But their heart was there. Isaiah prophesied about a people. God spoke to him and said, There are people that will see me with eyes, but they see not, and they'll hear me with ears and hear not. I don't believe tonight that we value what we are holding in our hands, what we have the privilege of holding in our hands. I don't believe we place enough value on it. <clears throat> I know tonight by the lifestyle of many people, there's not a lot of people that really don't even value the Bible like we used to, like I used to. It's just another book. It's written in a funny, with a funny accent, especially the King James Version and the thee and thous and social media and all of that has supplanted uh, the meaning of the Bible, the value of spirituality and what have you. And it's, it's crept into the church. I've often wondered if you could get people to study their Bible even one-tenth of the time they're on social media, they'd be Bible scholars in no time. I'm teaching a Sunday school class on Sunday morning, as you know, and the class is filling up. Brother Richard said, Sunday morning, stuck his head in the door, and he said, can I come in? Can I join you all this Sunday? And I said, well, you can this Sunday. I don't know about next Sunday because I don't know how full it's going to be. We'll, we'll make room. We'll do something. It was a joke. Of course, he's welcome. But it is so refreshing to have people that, that are, are coming consistently to that and to see their hunger for the Word of God is so refreshing. I'm not going to teach my Bible study tonight. I feel like I've already said what I want to say. But I want to just appeal to Grace Church. There's people here tonight that are prayer warriors, your intercessors. I depend on you. I lean on you. Sister Murph and I both do. But I look at your children. I look at your grandchildren, at the opportunity they have to take advantage of this living legacy that's a blood relative to them, and they don't. Not to the extent they could and should. We're so consumed and absorbed in our culture and what it does and what it's doing and trying to keep up, trying to keep up, trying to keep up, and the change of our culture is absolutely incredible. I heard somebody say just recently that people today, college-age kids today was the statistic. College-age kids today have to make more decisions in one day than people who lived in the 1800s would have to make in an entire lifetime. That's phenomenal to me. It's Amazing to me that we've moved that far and our culture's changed so much. But I want to tell everybody here tonight that God hasn't changed. The Word of God hasn't changed. 
the truths of God hasn't changed. And you can believe culture and let culture paint all the pictures for you that you want, that God's not real, it's not necessary, it's not important. My friends say it's not important. My parents live like it's not important. You can, you can look at all of that and let that be your influence, but it does not take away from the ultimate relevant truth that God is still in charge. And all of these things that's happening in our world today, God said it would happen, and it's happening. This isn't just happening on its own. God said it would happen. So God's not lost in this. God isn't confused. He's not scratching his head. He knew this time was coming, and he knew you would be a part of it. And it's going to be up to you to withstand against the wiles of the devil to keep your footing to keep your faith, to keep your destiny and your relationship with God intact. The job is not that important. Worldly amusements are not that important. Worldly things aren't that important. I look around tonight, see a lot of folks that's not here. I wonder why they're not here. Was it that important? Whatever they're doing now, was it, was it that important to supersede? an opportunity to come be in the presence of God to solidify faith, to solidify that relationship. I'm amazed tonight, and I'll say this and I'll conclude. I'm, I'm off my notes for the media team. I remember, Sister Murph and I, we laugh about this once in a while, when we started dating we were terrified the rapture would take place before we could get married. And when we finally got married, we did the, we made it before the rapture. And then we started worrying about, will we have any kids before the rapture takes place? We had to, had to wait forever, and we knew the rapture would take place before, our grand, before we'd be grandparents. But God was patient and kind and let that happen twice. I'm saying that to say I am astounded, Brother James, that we're still here. I'm amazed that God is being so patient. And I had this thought happen to, to me to come to me today. I've never thought of it this way before. But I look at, I look at our world and, and I can't imagine how disgusted God must be. We had a conversation with somebody last night about the human trafficking and all of that that's going on and babies being snatched away from people, kids, and what have you, and they never see them again. And how horrified God must be for all of this. And I talked Sunday morning in my Sunday school class about when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah when the ark was being built, how God is being so patient. And I thought I wanted to look up a statistic, and I really didn't even know how where to get a statistic like this from, but how many people are saved every day on this planet? How many people come to God every day on this planet? I don't know what that number is, but if Jesus came today, would you realize how many people would be lost tomorrow? And if there's anything that's holding God back, I believe it's that statistic. If it's 10,000, if it's 100 million, if he came today, there would be that many people that would have come to him tomorrow if he had just waited one more day. And perhaps that's what holds him back. Gabriel, blow the trumpet. No, 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 never mind. Hang on. 
there's going to be thousands of people that's going to be born again into my kingdom tomorrow. Let's wait one more day. One of those might be here. Could be a child. God's going to wait till after this coming Sunday. Because there might be two kids in Grace Church that might pray through the Holy Ghost this coming Sunday. I don't know what's holding him back. But I have been exposed to the glory of God's kingdom. And it doesn't matter what's out there. It's not worth going back to. I want to stay in the presence of God. Would you stand with me tonight? I, I, I apologize. I, I didn't teach my Bible study. Maybe we can get to it another night. But my heart's heavy. And I just I want everybody here at Grace Church to be ready to meet God. I don't want you to go out and do anything stupid and, and gamble and roll the dice and say, Well, I've got time and I'll enjoy the world for three or four years and I'll come back, Pastor. I know scores of people that never come back and you can't get them back once that seed's sowed. You just can't you just can't get them back. Everybody, would you raise your hands heavenward and let's just talk to God and ask God to help us tonight. Just God help us tonight. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I don't want to waste this moment. I don't want to waste this opportunity. That might just be Wednesday night Bible study to some. But to me right now, it's another opportunity to build a legacy. I want my grandsons to remember that Wednesday night when Papa said. I want them to remember that sermon. God, help us tonight. There's, there's kids here. There's people a part of Grace Church. I want them to hear their mother pray one more time. To give her an opportunity to build that legacy. To build, to let them hear that sound. To let them never forget that voice in their ear. Oh, God, help us tonight to take advantage of this moment. I know the world has a lot of stuff. Sin has a lot of stuff. It's fun. It's appealing, it's desirable, but it don't last. It's not going to last. It's not going to last, and it will cause us to be lost. It will cause us to go to hell. It will. We have to set our feet silent on our relationship with God, on the Word of God, and believe in it with all of our heart. God, I want to build a legacy, and I want to build one that's eternal, that will last forever, that will impact the souls of men and women forever. In Jesus' name. Oh, God, help us tonight. Help us tonight. We've come too far. God, we've come too far. God, we've come too far to turn back now. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Before we go tonight, in this awesome moment that's so prayerful and so heartfelt, I'd like for us to pray. For our kids that's going to college and all of our couples that are in their 40s. Maybe some of them here tonight, most of them are not. Let's pray for them right now, shall we? Let's just pray that God helps and God will strengthen them. God will help them. In the name of Jesus, I pray a blood covering over our kids. Oh God, I pray a blood covering in the name of Jesus. If they want to sin, they'll wade through the blood to do it.
I pray for our 40 years old, for 40 year olds tonight. If they want to sin, if they want to cheat, if they want to do all of that, they're going to wade through the blood. They're going to wade through the prayers of their parents, the church. They're going to wade through the word of God. They're going to wade through the presence of God to do it. God, bring us all back to the glory of your temple. Bring us back, God. Let us see it again. Expose it to us again. Let us see it one more time, oh God. That when we come back this time, we'll never leave. We can be the queen of Sheba that stays. The queen of Sheba that stays. I ask you, oh God. I ask you, oh God, to move and bless in our families, all of our church families. We've got to be saved, oh God, from this untoward generation. We've got to be close to you. We've got to know your presence. We've got to know what it feels like. We have to value it. We have to cherish it. We have to want it. We have to love it. Oh, God, help us, I pray, to put our hand firmly in yours and never let go. To put our hand firmly in yours and never let go. I ask it in Jesus' name. I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. One more time, would you lift your hands heavenward and let's talk to the Lord tonight. Let's talk to the Lord tonight in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 God, I worship you. God, I worship you. Oh, God, I worship you. God, I worship you. Oh God, I worship you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Media booth, can you boot up a little bit of music, please? Thank the Lord. Thank you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Everybody pray. If you need to go, God bless you. If you want to stay and pray for a few moments, find somebody to pray with. Please feel free to do so. There's a wonderful presence of the Lord. Come on, Queen of Sheba. Would you come back to his temple? Would you come back to Solomon's glory? It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. I hope you all understand that. Can we come back one more time to his glory and pray, oh God, for a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost? Can we pray one more time, oh God, for a fresh anointing of your spirit? Oh, God, would you talk to us again? God, would you talk to us again? Would you talk to us again? Save us from this untoward generation. There's a hunger and a thirst. I am desperate. Immerse me. I'm not waiting. Not anymore. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I feel it burning. 
There's a There's a Just to be close to you, just to be close to you, just to be close to you is my desire, yeah, just to be close to you, just to be close to you. Draw that. 
just hear the voices on this please just to be close to Just to be loved. 